0: Listening to the Advanced Leadership Podcast from the South Carolina Baptist Convention. Now, here's your host, Lee Clamp.
1: Welcome to another edition of the Advanced Leadership Podcast. This is Lee Clamp with the South Carolina Baptist Convention, and I am with my good friend, Brad Vassy. Today, Brad's in the house. Good morning. Now, Brad, you have um, you have been a friend here for for a while, and and I'm sure you uh, think the same about me. Um, Tell me just a quick, quick word about yourself personally, and then just maybe one thing that our listeners might not know about you.
0: So, uh, I'm 40 and look 60. And uh,
1: you got the best hair though in the in the convention.
0: It is. I, that's about all I got going for me, so I claim that. And um, then beyond that, um, I pastor at Hillcrest Baptist Church. Been there for a while and uh, married two kids. Uh, something you may not know about me um, is that. There was a season of my life um, that I was a clogger, um, and so a clogger. So I was uh, is that the opposite of a plumber? Like, to,
1: what is a clogger? It, clogger's not a dancer, is it?
0: Yes, absolutely. absolutely. There,
1: there, there, you cannot have dancing knees and praying knees on the same Baptist person. We both have a history of things we used to do, Lee. Listen, I I was I've a clogger. No you were a cheerleader. We don't need to get into all of my past. As a matter okay, of fact, this is about you, Brad, not about me.
0: <laughs> yes, I clogged for uh, I clogged for I don't know eight or nine
1: years. Eight uh, or nine years—that's almost a decade of clogging. I I, I need a demonstrate. You know, we're going to have to get a video demonstration somewhere. Maybe at Impact Conference this year. I know you're one of the breakout session leaders there this year. Uh, help me understand unpack
0: clogging. I mean, t- tell me about tell me about the community of cloggers. So you've got uh you've got all different kinds, man. You can either go uh you can go mountain um, or you can go go something more more common, more upbeat. Um, so we were we were kind of the second genre of that and competed Street all over the call it. all over the nation. A few few national championships along the way and You are a national champion. Clock. I'm a Hall of Famer. That's, Please tell me you're a that's Hall of right. Famer. I am indeed. I've got the code to prove it.
1: Oh my goodness. Ladies and Sam. gentlemen, if you don't get anything else from this podcast, you know that if you've got questions about clogging, you can call a Hall of Famer in an instant, one of our pastors.
0: Realistically, they, they are not going to get anything else from this podcast now. Thanks for that. <laughs> All
1: right, man. Hillcrest Baptist Church, incredible church up in the metroplex of York.
0: Yes. Yes, we are booming. You're actually in the suburbs of York.
1: And uh, and I remember the first time I came out to your church. I I, I went to I think Rock Hill or Fort Mill. I hung a left. I made it to York, and then I and then I went out in the country another ten miles it seemed like, and then there was Hillcrest Baptist Church. So you get there a decade ago. Tell me what it was. Tell me what you what you experienced when you first got there. And, uh, and what it was like, and then maybe a, a snapshot of what it is today.
0: So my wife grew up at the church. We had that connection. I'd been there before and uh, even had taken some students there before. So I kind of knew the area. You go there on purpose. You don't pass there by accident. And uh, so when we, we first moved there, we didn't know exactly what to expect. It was one of those times where you tell God, I feel sorry for the guy who ends up there, um, and I was the guy who ended up there. And uh, and I, I think that I was more afraid of— of the story that they had instead of the story they could have, and um, eventually the Lord just kind of moved my heart to say, "Hey, listen, you know what? Why would you not go and see what what I want to do there?" So we came in, we found there was about fifty people, um, give or take the, that particular week's numbers, and um, and it was all they could do to to keep keep moving forward. It was a tough time for them; um, had didn't have the leadership. Uh, To move forward was kind of trying to figure out what God wanted. But there was a a group of women that just devoted themselves to praying for the church. And I remember it was my my first, uh, I don't know, week or week or two being there. They had their Barnabas prayer time. And so they were praying in the sanctuary and I thought, I'm going to go see what this is. And so I snuck up in the sound booth in the back. And I just remember sitting and, and weeping. Um, because they had been praying for about an hour at this point. And these women never once prayed for themselves. They prayed for the church. They prayed for me and my family. They prayed for their family. They prayed for those in their family that were lost. Um, They prayed for our community. And I knew then it was going to be okay because the truth is I wasn't going to be able to compete with the kind of prayers they were already praying. Mm. And had it not been for these faithful few to pray when everyone else thought it was done, it probably would be.
1: Wow, wow. So uh, if I remember correctly, Hillcrest hadn't baptized anybody in a while. They'd kind of seen a drought when it came to reaching lost people. Um, and uh, and then there's some women praying, and then one guy decides, okay, well, I guess I better be obedient. And, uh, and you go as pastor a decade ago. Uh, give me a snapshot
0: of what the church looks like today. Yeah, so... Um, as of right now, we baptized well over 200 people wow. um, in the church. Um, we've seen um, all of our staff has either come to the church and been raised up and or come to rest, and now we're serving at the church. So we're raising up leaders from within the church. We went from around 50 people, and now um, even in a post-COVID world, we're seeing somewhere in the 250 uh, people range, which that's neat, but what What makes that number exciting is that they're holdovers from salvation, um, not not recycled believers from other churches. Yeah. And so God is sending um, fresh people with broken hearts to be mended and to made new. And now they are pursuing the Lord. They're growing up in the Lord. They're becoming uh, ministers of the gospel leaders within the church. And now we're looking at what's next. Mm.
1: So we've got a lot of pastors out there um, who uh, who are either starting fresh uh, in a new new work, or maybe they're sitting in their their office even today, listening to this, and um, have kind of lost some hope in in um, the Lord using them in their church situation. Um, so, what would you say are are, are some of the key factors uh, that led to revitalization?
0: Yeah, I think first and foremost is is the prayer of those faithful ladies. Um, in a world that's always, always feeling like it's competing for a position somewhere, um, I think the greatest position we can take is before the Lord. And I think these ladies did that with a great faith. And uh, that started it. The second thing um, is we saw a church that had people coming, but not necessarily leaders developing. Um, from a church perspective, smart, capable, strong men, but really the strength of the church lied in their wives. And uh, the men were just coming along with them. And so God raised up men in our church uh, that took responsibility for their families, not just their homes, but their families. So grandchildren, grandkids started coming, great grandkids. And uh, little by little, that leadership has developed into strong elders, deacons, leaders, ministers, and so on and so forth that are leading their, their wives and their Children to be strong in spiritual matters, pursuing Christ, uh, growing in the gospel, and now going out on mission. And then the last thing I would say is that probably the most important thing is I discovered that churches have personalities like people. And you can't create a personality. Uh, Personalities are just what they are. And uh, this church had a personality, it was driven to mission, but it didn't know how. Um, And so I remember specifically um, the uh, WMU at the time came to me and said, we we would like to help, you know, 30 families with with groceries. And and I'm telling the story best I can because we would all tell it different because it's been 10 years ago. Um, But we really want to help these families and get them some groceries and help them um, maybe get a turkey. And I said, well, I had actually been thinking the same thing, but me and you were a little off on our number. And she goes, well, how many were you thinking? And I said, well, I was kind of thinking about 300. And I remember her looking at me and going, oh, pastor, I'll tell him." And so understand that I'm talking to my mother-in-law. <laughs> and so my mother-in-law would occasionally and still does either sends me a letter or calls me. And she'll either address me as I want to thank you for being a fantastic son-in-law or either I want to thank you for being a great pastor. And she never makes those calls for me. And uh, so she went back to her team, allowed me to come with her. And so since that point, we have been doing a meal for 300 families, feeding them at the church, sending them home with a meal to cook, plus giving them vouchers for turkeys. Um, so the personality of the church was how can we reach lost people and love broken people? And so we put all of our attention on really figuring out how to be that strong personality in our community.
1: That's awesome, man. They, they say behind every great man is a very surprised mother-in-law. <laughs> so, um, you know, you've got that going for you. Now, I will say that um, one of the things that I think of now, when I think of Hillcrest, uh, from the outside looking in, is a church that loves their community, um, and uh, and and you guys do something in October where you, you we dedicate an entire week, but it's embedded in the the fabric of your people. It seems like it seems like that they're constantly looking for ways uh, to to love their neighbors. So just unpack some things, just brag on your church a little bit. Some things that you've seen them when it comes to that shift in that culture. And then maybe how, you know, maybe some, some stories of how you were able to do that, like how, how that culture shifted, um, what were some intentional things you did to shift the culture. Um, unpack that a little bit for us.
0: Yeah, so a few of the things that started the change was immediately um, there became kind of a, a passion for lost and brokenness. And so as some of the folks had been coming to church for a long time, started to hear the gospel being challenged to their life and not just to their day. Um, That they were telling me how somebody had asked them to pray for them and I would ask back, well, did you? And they would say, well, yeah, later. I was like, no, right then. You know, who are you stopped to prayed with? Um, Who have you shared the gospel with? And so the challenge was responded to um, with a huge desire to see more of it, which led to uh, baptisms. The very first thing we did that kind of everybody's mind at, aware of the situation was we had some shirts printed and the shirt said hillcrest baptist church we just want to say we're sorry and so um, it was one of those times where we were too poor to give everybody the shirt so everybody even had to buy their own sorry shirt <laughs> wow. and so when they put those shirts on they would go out in the community they said well what are we what are we doing and i said well if somebody's going to ask you why does your shirt say you're sorry I said, and I want you to make sure they understand that this isn't a gimmick. This is a genuine apology because the church has been more focused on itself than on this community. Wow. So that uh, that just spurred this desire to love people. Mm. And uh, as that continued, um, people would bring their children in. Mm. They didn't know God and their life would be transformed by the gospel. Wow. And then from there, um, I remember realizing that our church didn't know what Baptist was anymore uh, because we didn't know who was screaming, who was shouting, or if somebody was coming to tongue. Um, we just knew that the people that were coming didn't know church. Uh, they were just learning to know God. Yeah, that's good. And so that changed everything. Um, and we realized real quick that we didn't have to meet the expectation of a church. We had to be the church. And uh, it really put us back into community. So we moved from that to as you talked about, our serving uh, once a month, just taking a whole month and just loving the community, um, giving some things away, loving on people that otherwise may be missed. And I remember specifically one of our deacons now coming, and uh, and Josh really wouldn't mind me even saying this, but uh, he had come from another church. They were living far away from that church and wanted something closer. And he came in and he said to me, he said, "You know, we've been trying to find a church for a while. We've had our some money that we want to use that we haven't really given to a church because we haven't found it yet. But it's Christmas. Do you know of a family that maybe deserves a strong Christmas or their kids deserve a strong Christmas? And I looked at him and I said, I got a question, Josh. He said, yeah. Now, this reminds you. this is the first conversation I've ever had with him. I said, why do they have to deserve it? And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, isn't grace really about not deserving it? He said, well, fine. (laughs) And he said, well, what does that mean? What do I do? And I said, well, a gentleman was just baptized today. And the whole community knew him, and he still comes to the church to this day. Um, One of our young men that everybody would—I say young man. He's older than me, but uh, he just carries a young kind of sense about him. And so people always just was real proud of him. And this past year is the first time the gentleman that was uh, nine years ago eight or nine years ago, gave his life to Christ, um, who lives in some hard situation. Um, His house should be condemned, but he can't afford to move, so he's just hanging on um, with his family. Is now being led in a Bible study by a young man who everybody was just like, oh, we're so proud of you, and now he's able to bring a Bible story and Bible study to this guy. So all these things are just kind of— connecting points of what God's done over 10 years of crazy ministry.
1: Wow. That's awesome. Talk, talk with me a little bit about that October, uh, focus that you do. Um, in October, um, I've heard that you guys take uh an entire week, but you also do like even Saturdays in the middle of football season of all times. Tell, tell me about what you do on that servolution.
0: Yeah. So we, uh, we had it set up in September, um, and so this year, we're actually moving it to April, not because of football, but because there's so many fall festivals going on and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. It was putting a lot of back to back. So what we'll do is we'll take a month and devote it to serving. So our, all of our Hillcrest groups, um, not only do they meet and not only do they have weekly uh, time in the word, but we ask all of them to have a mission focus or a mission partner that's connected to the church. So one week out of that month, our groups will go and serve with their ministry partners. Another week out of that month, we we have a free yard sale, which is always uh, interesting. We've recently moved that from our church property to our community center in York. And so we're able to do it indoors now, um, right in the middle of the community that can most benefit from it. So that's been a step in the right direction for us. Um, Then we take... Usually every year we try to find one thing or one person that we can just just love them uniquely special. And so we've had some cars donated. So we would give a car away, pay for the insurance for six months and do some stuff like that. Um, And nobody will ever know that except for that family and the church. And now everybody who listens to this, because I've heard you have like millions of viewers. Yeah, pretty much Uh, thousands, if not dozens. Yeah. (laughs) So. um But what that allows is we get to tell everybody when we ask, who can we help? They don't need to deserve it. They don't need to be your best candidate. They just need to be somebody that we can love. And uh, so that's what we do. And we do uh, a big serve day, the first Saturday, I believe it is. And um, we may do trash. We may go three or four different places, go to parks. And we serve the community that way.
1: Wow. Wow you know I've heard of barriers to um to to sharing the gospel from a lot of different pastors and it seems like the three um that 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 really percolate to the top um would include uh kind of the number one and that is I, I don't know any lost people. I don't have any relationships with lost people. And this kind of focus in a month allows you to uh first just get around lost people, r- rub shoulders with them, especially if you didn't already know them um and and then, to be able to slowly build relationships with them and then and then move into actually sharing the gospel and so um when you do that though uh things kind of get a little um, messy crazy at the church whatever you you start you know in and when you start serving in the community, your church starts looking like the community um and so let's talk a little bit about the diversity you've you've got um now diversity. Within your church right. and uh, some of the dynamics that go along with that, um, just kind of unpack that for us, because this is a rural church, you know, in South Carolina, that uh, that now has moved into a not only growing in, in number and seeing people come to know Christ, but now actually starting to reflect the the um, the community um, by its color of skin and socioeconomic class. So, unpack some of that for us.
0: Yeah. So first of all, I'd say to those pastors, if you if you're having trouble trouble meeting lost people you have way too high of an expectation for your congregation um, you have lost people every week in your congregation and uh, not spending time with them is the first mistake mm. um, you've got to be able to identify them and then walk them to Jesus um, secondly I would say that our diversity has been just incredible um, and and it's not because of it's not because we've We've made any group a priority. is because we've made people a priority. Um, we dealt with real issues as they needed to be dealt with. We prayed for real things as it needed to be prayed for. Uh, the outcome has been that God has sent us a growth in our Hispanic population, um, which has been just wonderful. Um, it's allowed us to have a very... Uh, very unique conversations at time when you're talking and preaching and someone comes up to you and says, hey, do you think you might be able to, to slow down some of your points? Because, you know, an individual is coming now who's doing okay with the English language. They understand it better than they they thought they did, but they could really use maybe a little bit slower talking. And so I'm having to learn to preach hmm. in such wow. a way that diversity can hear it. Wow, Um, that's good. And I'm having to make sure that I don't use stories or things that are just interesting to me because it's not interesting to everyone. Because our African-American population has begun to to grow and increase as a result of community and loving community. Um, We're finding that we have a strong young population of of our African-Americans coming into the church, and they're being reached by the younger population of our church, which I think is critical because... Diversity in our younger populations is always stronger than in our older populations. Right. And so if we can reach it through them, then we'll grow it from them. Hmm. And so that's a, that's a big part right now. We also have um, two folks that are here, one from France and one from um, Spain. And uh, the two of them bring such unique, um, unique perspectives. So we just had a mission, Core Values Service, as we're going through our core values. And for the last song we did, um, it was sung in English, then it was sung in French, it was sung in Mandarin, um, all the while with Spanish on the screen. And so wow. just to have that, and not not that we're doing it to say we need to go there, but we're doing it because all of those except for uh, Mandarin is spoke inside the church walls. Mm. That's really neat.
1: Wow, wow, that's awesome. You know, you can't be around Brad um, uh, too long without him. Uh, just talking about someone who has crossed over from death to life and had a life transformation story. Um, In fact, he just gets energized by it. And uh, just thinking in, in recent days, is there, is there a story that comes to mind of, of someone who has really been able to, um, to see some life transformation in their life because of your people, uh, because the church has reached out to them because of the gospel?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm thinking right now through our coming baptism that we have um, we have four, maybe five being baptized. And uh, of those being baptized, the person that baptizes those folks is the one who either led them to Christ or will be discipling them in Christ. And so I'm only baptizing one person. Um, and one other member of our staff is baptizing one person. And the rest are being baptized by folks who impacted their lives. Um, specifically standing out to me right now is uh, a young man that's going to be baptized because one of our pastors on staff um, began to work out and go to the gym and play ball with a guy who was completely far from God. And uh, Brandon began to come to church a little bit and he began to hear the story of the gospel and then he was led to Christ by our staff member. And then um, after Matt had spent some time with him, led him to the Lord, Brandon began to go back into the gym where he kind of took on the responsibility of another uh, gentleman who was going to the church. And so um, as he began to talk with this young man and kind of work out and, and talk to him and hang out with him, and the guy worked at the gym that just opened, we got a Planet Fitness in York. That's that's almost miraculous. <laughs> and uh, so as he began to work with him, he started coming to church. And so I got to be a small part of a big story, because I walk over and I'm talking with a uh, with another young guy, and I look at him and he's just kind of staring off. And I said, "So what you doing? What's on your mind right now?" And that's all it took. All the work that Brandon had done in his life to mm. walk with him and to talk and to share his story, mm. then translated to, "What do I do if I'm ready to know God?" Mm. Wow. And uh, so he's he's going to be baptized. And uh, and uh, so we're we're really excited for Elijah, and uh, and then beyond that, um, currently we've had the the joy of seeing a gentleman who didn't know the Lord, and he was homeless. He had just lost his place to stay. He had back surgery. He didn't have a way of making income, and uh, he was going through a hard time. And so we were figuring out what to do. And my wife, uh, if you've never met Carrie, she just kind of is by the way, in our conversation, so we're going down the road and she goes, you know, Doug seems to me like the kind of guy God sends to find out what you'll do. <laughs> That's I said, good. I said, okay. That'll so preach. I went back and I said, hey, this is what Carrie said and because they listened to her more than me. Um, we, we began to kind of talk about what that looks like. And once we knew that he didn't have a, he was staying on a couch after back surgery, we knew that wasn't acceptable. So we had... Our conference room turned into a bedroom, um, and he began to stay in the annex of the church. um, And he would come over to the worship service where he had given his uh, life to the Lord um, because one guy met him at uh, a—he was at Wendy's getting something to eat one day. He saw him out of there trying to find something to eat. He invited him to church, and so we came. And uh, the interesting part of that story is a year before that, I had gone to get gas one Sunday morning. And there was a guy in a white truck said he was going to work. And when I asked him where he went to church, he goes, oh, I go to that uh, that church up there on the hill. I said, oh, yeah. He said, yeah, uh, hill, hill, Hillcrest. I go there. <laughs> and I said, is that right? He said, yeah. I said, well, I love to meet people that go to the church I pastor at. I said, <laughs> I said but I would love to see you again. And he said, okay. And uh, the long and short, um, he didn't come, uh, but a year later, um, Jamal, who was new to coming to our church, met him at a Wendy's, picked him up, did the work of getting him to church where he gave his life to the Lord, wow. had his surgery, lived wow. in our annex, wow. and now we're working on getting him back on his feet. So he'll be baptized this Sunday as well.
1: Oh man, that's good stuff, man. Man, listen, I could, I could talk to you for hours on this. Uh, listen, if, if you are a uh, pastor, um, in our state and, um, and, and you are getting started with a church revitalization process uh, within your church, or, or, or maybe you're scratching your head just trying to figure out where to even get started. Uh, Brad's a great resource, and he would love to talk to you. You can shoot him an email. Hillcrest Baptist Church in York, South Carolina. and uh, I, it's, it's just a pleasure to be your friend. And uh, Impact Conference is coming up uh, in a couple of weeks, February 17th, and, um, and he'll be leading one of our uh, breakout sessions there. And uh, we hope that you've been able to sign up for that. And if you haven't, it's not too late. Uh, feel free to to, to reach out. I'll, I'll even give you a code. Here's a code. Use ADVANCE, capital A, ADVANCE, and you can get the cheapest rate for that conference. Look forward to seeing you there. Hey,
0: Brad, thanks for being here with us, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You guys don't know how much you mean to the state and to the pastors in the state. So thank you for that, Lee.
1: Thanks, man. And cool.
0: so, until every life
1: is saturated, and transformed by the hope of the gospel. Accelerate the advance.
0: Thanks for listening to the Advanced Leadership Podcast from the South Carolina Baptist Convention. This South Carolina Baptist Convention podcast is made possible through the cooperative program giving of South Carolina Baptist churches. For more information, visit scbaptist.org.